Welcome to Success in Medicine. I'm Dr. Samir Desai. Growing up in Detroit, Michigan, I still remember as a child watching the news regularly and seeing shocking pictures of damage and destruction from natural disasters. In Detroit, we, of course, had our fair share of snowstorms, and I do remember having tornado drills in my elementary and middle schools, but tropical storms, hurricanes, and typhoons were not at all concerns in the Midwest. All that changed for me when I moved to Houston after residency and joined the faculty of the Baylor College of Medicine. Over the past 18 years in Houston, I have lived through a number of named storms. First, there was Tropical Storm Allison, which led to catastrophic flooding in 2001 and claimed the lives of dozens of people, mainly by drowning. Then came Hurricane Rita in 2005, followed by Hurricane Ike in 2008. And now, of course, Hurricane Harvey. By now, you've seen the pictures and heard the stories of how lives have been affected and homes have been destroyed, not just in Houston, of course, but elsewhere as well. And just as we were learning the extent of the damage left by Harvey, our nation watched again as Floridians prepared for and dealt with another hurricane, this time Hurricane Irma. As those affected by natural disasters try to put their lives back together, they often take comfort in the outpouring of support that comes from their fellow Americans. This is what makes America great, that desire to help our fellow man, especially when he or she is struggling. Medical students are no exception. History is full of examples of medical students who have made an impact in disaster situations. In the 1950s, when polio was one of the most feared diseases, hundreds of medical and dental students in Europe mechanically ventilated patients with respiratory failure. In 2001, after the terrorist attack on the Twin Towers in New York City, medical students served as runners, carrying information back and forth between different stations as part of the surgical and resuscitation teams that were mobilized. After the 2005 earthquake in Kashmir, students studying at local area medical schools were involved in search and rescue missions and delivered emergency care. How do today's medical students feel about participating in disaster response? In one survey, over 96% of U.S. medical students indicated that they would participate in disaster response. In the same survey, over 80% felt an obligation to do so. Although medical students have a deep desire to get involved, they often wonder what they can do and how best to get involved. Having helped hundreds of residency applicants from all over the world prepare their residency applications, I've become familiar with the ways in which medical students have made contributions during and following disasters. Let's start by talking about raising money for relief. To give you a great example of what you can do as a medical student, let me take you to the Pacific Northwest. There, in the state of Washington, about 60 miles southeast of Mount Rainier, you will find the Pacific Northwest University of Health Sciences. Within a few days of Hurricane Harvey, 
student members of the Emergency Medicine Club at Pacific Northwest University sprang into action. Houston native Jenna Cachillo, a second-year osteopathic medical student, felt the need to do whatever she could to provide assistance to her hometown. As one of the vice presidents of the Emergency Medicine Club, she took the lead in organizing a fundraising effort. Students held an event at the Bale Breaker Brewing Company to raise funds, and the money from the event was donated toward Harvey Relief. Through the organization's efforts, about $1,000 was raised in just a few weeks with efforts ongoing to raise even more. Medical students can also lead initiatives to collect and send medical supplies to disaster-stricken areas. In 2004, an Indian Ocean earthquake triggered a tsunami that affected Sri Lanka. This was especially difficult on Dr. Himali Vijasoria, who lost both her aunt and uncle in the disaster. At the time, she was a second-year medical student at Vanderbilt University. Knowing that hospitals in the area would soon be short of medical supplies, she worked diligently to collect supplies and then partnered with Sri Lankan organizations in the U.S. to send these supplies to relief organizations in Sri Lanka. She also collaborated with other Vanderbilt students to collect materials in hospitals that could not be reused and send those materials to hospitals in affected area. Some students seek opportunities to travel to disaster areas and directly impact patients affected by disasters. Are such opportunities available to medical students? The answer is yes. If you're a medical student studying in an area affected by a natural disaster, your proximity to the disaster may allow you to readily get involved. But clinical opportunities are not limited only to local students. Stories abound of medical students who traveled as part of larger teams to deliver emergency care. In 2013, when a typhoon made landfall in the Philippines packing a powerful punch, there was tremendous damage to the area. That typhoon had maximum sustained winds of 195 miles per hour, and it was the strongest tropical cyclone to landfall in recorded history. It left behind in its wake tremendous devastation. 6,000 people died, and another 29,000 were injured, and over 4 million were displaced. Immediately after the typhoon, a group of Hawaii-based physicians traveled to the Philippines to offer aid. With them were three medical students from the John A. Byrne School of Medicine in Honolulu. These three students worked with other volunteers to set up makeshift clinics in churches, warehouses, and gyms. The team examined patients, distributed medications, and performed surgical procedures. If you're interested in doing what these students did, I would encourage you to explore possible opportunities through your medical school office of global health. You should also know that there are hundreds of organizations that provide disaster relief all across the world. As a medical student, you may be able to join one of these teams. For more information on these organizations, visit the Volunteer Opportunities section of the JAMA Career Center or the International Organizations section of the American Medical Association website.
Non-governmental organizations that mobilize response teams after disasters often have existing teams in place. Immediately following these disasters, they receive many, many phone calls from doctors, nurses, and medical students seeking to join these teams. For these organizations, it can take time to process these requests, and that can leave medical students with a strong desire to help, feeling frustrated and disappointed. It's important in these situations to continue to work with these organizations rather than trying to go off on your own to the affected area. Why? Because as eager as you may be, your lack of experience and training can be impediments to the work you want to do. Established non-governmental organizations have in place a system to train volunteers. They also have a support staff to provide the assistance you need while you're there so you can focus on direct patient care. They know how to keep you safe. Remember that crisis areas may have no food, shelter, or services. So you need to know how to take care of yourself in these situations. Do you know how to purify water? How will you store and prepare food when there's no electricity? Remember, you're there to help, but you won't be able to unless you know how to stay safe yourself and, of course, prevent yourself from getting sick. You also have to take stock or inventory of your skills and abilities up to this point as a medical student. If you're a preclinical student, unless you've had significant healthcare experiences prior to medical school, for example, as a nurse or as an EMT, you may be ill-prepared to take on an important clinical role, especially in the high-stress environment that follows disasters. As a clinical student, you obviously have more hands-on patient care experiences, but you may still be limited in what you will be able to do. That's not to say that you can't play an important role, but it's important that the team you join finds roles, tasks, and responsibilities that match your level of training. Otherwise, you risk harm not only to the patients that you encounter, but also to yourself. For example, in the aftermath of the 2005 Kashmir earthquake, final year Pakistani medical students reported feeling completely unprepared for what they were asked to do. They had difficulty adequately triaging patients and dealing with pediatric and elderly patients. They sometimes had to make important decisions with no senior attendings available to guide them. Their discomfort was entirely understandable since they lacked disaster management training and prior exposure to emergency situations. But for some of them, the emotional challenges that they experienced after being thrust in roles advanced for their training level was a heavy burden that they carried with them long after the experience. Although there are clearly risks involved in these efforts, most medical students find these experiences tremendously satisfying. In sharing these stories, I hope that you have a better idea of the impact that students have had in disaster situations all across the world and how you too can get involved. Finally, I would like to leave you with the powerful words of one medical student about why he felt so strongly about helping out those affected in a disaster situation. When Ryan Grant, a second-year student at the West Virginia School of Osteopathic Medicine, organized a volunteer outreach effort to clear out flood-damaged homes in West Virginia, he had this to say. I quote, 
in these hard-hit communities, residents' quality of life right now is terrible. It's really a tragic situation. When something like this happens, you don't think twice about trying to help as much as you can. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Success in Medicine podcast. Until next time, I'm Dr. Samir Desai. Mm-hmm.